if you walk through the garden, you better watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon for the stealing narrow track. If you walk through Jesus, you'll save your soul. You gotta keep the devil down in the hole. He's got the fire and the fury. Oh, that's a great song. Somebody should use that as the theme song for a uh, long-running television series. Just a thought. Just tossing it out there. All right, so today is an Ask or Tell Me Anything show. And that means that you can call 888-720-WNPR. I failed to publicize this on social media, which may explain why at the moment there are no calls whatsoever, which is also fine. Uh, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-9677. 720 WNPR. Or it could just be that it's beautiful outside. June is busting out all over, as they say. And perhaps people are have better things to do than call a, a lonely radio show host. But that also is fine. So uh, we can talk a, a little bit uh, about things before we get going. I've been thinking a lot about a distinction that was actually made very effectively in an email to me uh, by a person to whom I want to give credit. Uh, I believe her name is Noelle McElhaney. Uh, and because I think she framed it really well, which is one of the things our country struggles with is the distinction between safety and control. So whether it's mask mandates or you know vaccine requirements, proof of vaccination, or modifications in our gun laws to make it, say, difficult for an 18-year-old to acquire a dangerous weapon. Uh, We struggle. We struggle with what that means. And to a lot of us, it means safety. Public health is safety. I was dealing with another emailer this weekend because I I came back to writing columns this past weekend. Or I should say I wrote a a column. We'll see whether I've come back to writing columns, but I wrote a column um, talking about something that that I've thought a lot about, which is that uh, right now what we have is a country where COVID is still a problem. It's probably not as big a problem as it was, but it's a significant problem. And our national policy is essentially whatever pisses people off the least. That's what our national policy is. Or to put it maybe slightly more eloquently and with more nuance – Our national policy kind of stops wherever leaders think they'd really start to get pushback, the kind of pushback they don't want, loss of votes, whatever. Um, There's just kind of no other policy than that. Uh, And there are a lot of reasons for it. But anyway, and, and, you know, one of the big reasons is that part of the pushback was sort of, you know, unpleasant people standing up and yelling at Board of Education meetings and maybe even going to the homes of Board of of Education members and Boards of Education being turned into this kind of battlefield. And then, you know, I mean, when the judge uh, dropped the mask mandate for transit in in April uh, and, you know, what happened was the airlines all decided to announce it on planes that were in flight. Uh, which is like just incredibly unfair. I mean, unconscionable uh, to the uh, to the people on board who might have made some kind of risk benefit calculation. Maybe despite being of a certain age or having certain comorbidities or whatever, thought, well, if everybody's masked, um, it'll be safe. 
Uh, it'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> in the middle of the flight, they decide otherwise. But why did they do that? Why were they celebrating? Because they were tired of hassling with people. The airlines and their employees were tired of getting into fights, hassling with people who would be defiant about masking. And we could go on and on. You know, one of the leaders of the kind of anti-public health measures for COVID coalitions here in Connecticut uh, for a while was doing this thing where he would invite some of his followers to meet him at a grocery store. This was during the time of mask mandates and no vaccines available. And they would show up at a grocery store unmasked to find the mask mandate. And then some poor assistant manager, some lowly paid or at least inadequately paid assistant manager would be in the position of trying to deal with them. You know, um, and just all of this, all of this and, and all of these people, whether we're talking about guns or COVID or something else, all of these people see any kind of mandate as control, uh, whereas others of us see those same kinds of measures as safety oriented, safety measures. The, the column that I wrote was about the fact that it clearly isn't going to work anymore just to sort of participate enthusiastically but calmly in a democracy. I mean, it, we, we really have kind of reached the point where the only people who get heard and noticed, it feels like anyway, are the people who just raise hell. And and I, I talked uh, in the column about ACT UP during the 1980s and how they really kind of transformed the, the, the circumstances of AIDS uh, and, and, and AIDS patients by making the establishment afraid of them, afraid of what they might do. Uh, and, and that seems to be the way that you win these days. Anyway, and then there was like a guy, I don't know, a guy was emailing me talking about the, the real mask bullies, he said, were the people enacting mask mandates. <laughs> so we managed to take the idea of bullying and state it on its head. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, the mask mandates, safety measures usually are aimed at protecting the weak and vulnerable, which bullies tend not to do. I mean, to equate that with bullying really is to invert the notion of a word. And that's something that we're also struggling with these days. All right. So, uh, but we don't have to talk about what I want to talk about. We can talk about what you want to talk about. The number is 888-720-WNPR. That's 888-720-9677. And here is Pete in Hartford. Hi, you're on the air. Hi there. Good morning, Colin. Good morning. Or or afternoon. Um, My question... I was just wondering if President, you know, the ex-president, if he had took down the helicopter and all he had built a special concession, that given him special concession to build so that they can receive Air Force One. And, you know, at the end of his presidency, they said it would have been removed and resurred and so I was wondering if you have any information pertaining to that. I don't have any special uh, information about this. You're talking about the helipad at Mar-a-Lago. Um, Correct. And it's, it is, uh, he's, it, this is a presidential amenity, uh, which was built at his estate uh, for Marine One. It's not Air Force One. It's Marine One. Obviously, it's a helicopter that can land there. And, and to my, the best of my knowledge, he's like not entitled to that anymore. Uh, and they, and, and meanwhile... I think it might be the. I'm just looking right now at uh, a piece about it. I think it might be the town of Palm Beach uh, issued a permit for the the demolition of the landing. They don't allow private helipads, but they made an exception for Trump uh, because he was president and he was at Mar-a-Lago a lot, and so he's got a helipad. But he's not president anymore, 
And so they rescinded his permit. Now, there may be a considerable subtext to this, including the fact that, you know, they just may be tired of him in, in other ways. I don't know. Did you have a particular reason for asking about that? Hey. Oh, hey, I, I tend to listen to you guys, listen to follow the news, you know, and, and that's just, just uh, you know, one of my, you know, I don't know. I was, look, I was wondering what, what happened within that. Yeah, that's my understanding, and I'm ge- I'm hearing from producer Jonathan McPants that the helipad helipad was actually demolished in February, uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean that would have been the reason that you know he wasn't supposed to have it except he was president. They made a special exception; he wasn't president anymore. Now you know, I mean, you could sort of say, well, ex presidents are entitled to certain emoluments. You should pardon the expression, <laughs> but. You know, apparently not in Palm Beach and apparently not for his helipad. But as I say, they may be sick of him in other ways. Uh, all right. So let's talk to Jim in New Milford. Hi, Jim. You're on the air. Hey, Colin. Uh, really big fan of the, your wonderful show. Um, I just I got a couple gripes I'd like to throw out there. One, um, humans are animals. And I hear so much from scientists even um, where they're doing tests, and they say animal tests and human tests, and I blame it a lot on religion forever, and I think it's a real problem in our society that most of us, I'm generalizing, um, don't feel that humans are actually animals, and we are just one of whatever 5,600 mammals on this planet. Right. Are you sure the? I mean, I, I think you're right to some degree. Obviously, there's a kind of an, a, an exceptionalism, an anthropocentrism uh, that you know that's hard to miss. But some of it is also there just isn't a really good word, right? It's unwieldy to say non-human animals. Um, yes. So I mean, it's maybe a combination of two things. Um, you know, the sense that we yeah we do think of ourselves as some kind of superior species. This sort of comes back to something we were talking about last week. I can't remember anymore what show this was on or why we were saying it, but uh, you know, there's a, Tom Robbins in one of his novels has this whole thing about how humans think that they are superior to all other species because look what they did. They, you know, they built rocket ships and they built New York City and they built cars and they did all this stuff, you know, and, and they're superior to dolphins because all dolphins do is swim around and frolic in the water. And that dolphins feel that they are superior to humans for exactly the same reason. Um, so, yeah, sometimes it's sort of, the perspective you have. Did you have another gripe? Yeah, you, 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 I'm, yeah, I'm going to authorize yeah, a second gripe. Thank you, sir. Um, it seems to me every year, and especially this year, I am seeing more and more of those little yellow pesticide signs mm-hmm. on rural yards. And I really, really wish people would think twice about having their yard sprayed and wiping out the bottom of the food chain. Um, the mosquitoes are just going to fly into your yard from your neighbors anyway. Right. No, totally agree. Also, I mean, we don't like mosquitoes, but I think we're better off trying to keep mosquitoes off us. Mosquitoes get eaten by bats and all kinds of other things. You're right. It's the bottom of the food chain. Uh, so, um, and you know, there's actually, I do want to say one thing about this because, yes, I guess I can mention this. My, like my neighbors have like a one of those kind of really kind of high-tech 
Star Wars looking or Star Trek looking bug zappers. I could just sort of see it sort of down the hill from where I am. And I could hear it. I could hear these insects being annihilated at night. And I'm thinking, there's no, they're not even sitting outside. They're just killing bugs. They're just killing bugs because they're, because they just don't like bugs. Uh, but if you're sitting outside, the best thing you can do, they're a little bit expensive and you could rig up your own. An outdoor fan is what you need. If you just keep the air kind of blowing around where you're, you're sitting, bugs are not going to bother you. Uh, and all this other stuff, bug zappers and spraying your yard and citronella candles, you name it, none of it works very well. So get a fan. That's, that's all I would say. Well, listen, anything else? Would you like a helipad permit for New Milford? I think I could arrange that. You know, we just, our town, and I don't know why, of roughly 20,000 people about two years ago, um, we got a police helicopter. And besides over our Memorial Day parade, it's flying low over pay, playing patriotic music. I'm not quite sure why we need the thing. So no helipad <laughs> for me in New Milford. All right. Colin, thanks for all you do for the brains in Connecticut and thereabouts. All right. I don't really probably do very much for brains, but I'll take it. I'll take any kind of compliment today. I'm feeling insecure. Here's Jordan in Norfolk. Uh, Jordan, you have the floor. Hey, Colin. Thank you. Uh, new listener, first-time caller. Um, here's my question. Well, here's the backstory. I moved to Connecticut, the northwest corner of Connecticut, a deeply hilly and rural place about two years ago. And uh, because both the internet and electricity are not fully dependable around here, and there's no cell phone where my house is, no cell phone reception, I had to get a landline. And in fact, I got an old tiny landline with the three copper wires that has its own electrical uh, power. And um, I have an even old tiny touchtone phone on the wall for it. The question is, how do you know when using a landline phone in Connecticut, which numbers within your area code need a one in front and which ones don't need a one? Because I have made numerous calls to nearby Torrington, for example, and sometimes if I don't dial a one, I, I get a, a, a recorded voice telling me I must dial a one. And then other times I'll call other places in Torrington and I'll put the one first and I get that crazy tone that then tells me there's no such number, which, which tells me to redial it without the one. So I'm wondering if, if there's a rule and, and, and if anybody knows it, I figured you would know it. <laughs> no, I won't know it. But here's, I mean, to me, this is like, in a delightful way, I want to say that, in a delightful way, this is like somebody calling me up to tell me, to talk to me about his problems he's having with his cuneiform tablet, you know, it's just like the clay gets too hard too fast. I mean, it's just like so long since I thought about any of this, but it's a terrific question. So I will say another thing about that, which is uh, there used to be, and our new newsroom director, Eric, um, it comes from a station called KERA in Dallas. And quite a few years ago, like maybe 2018, I'm driving around Texas. I was out there to give a speech. Uh, but I'm driving around the vast expanses of Texas, uh, and I was listening to KERA. And they had this show, which they don't have anymore, that was just people calling up with questions like the one that you just asked, and then the listeners would answer. They'd call up and they'd exp give you the answer. And, and it was... That doesn't sound too interesting, but it was riveting. The host typically didn't know any, anything. He was just sort of good at kind of keeping the flow going. He was sort of the, the conductor of the railroad station of information. So this is that kind of question where I don't know the answer, 
but somebody will. The one thing that I can tell you is the day will come when you'll be really happy. I think this is still true, that you have copper all the way back. Because, uh, you know, Arnold Chase, who's uh, been a longtime member of our board and I think still is, uh, like he's kind of an expert in disaster preparedness and stuff like that. He said he's always used to tell me copper all the way back because, as you say, it's got its own electricity, right? Definitely. Yeah. And so that's really good. I for, for any re- responses on point. And right. I will call in on the next open show to ask you about property taxes on your automobile because that's, All right. that's a first for me as and well. Since, since you're new to town, I don't know. Have they, have they tra- taught you the, the Norfolk cheer yet? No. It goes like this. We don't drink and we don't smoke. Norfolk, Norfolk, Norfolk. All right. We have to take a little break right now and we will be back. Me sinto contente Me sinto muito contente Me sinto completamente contente Posso dizer completamente contente Me arrisco a falar Me sinto Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. ECMO is a leading-edge, life-saving treatment for patients with cardiac or respiratory failure. Dr. Jason Gluck, director of the Mechanical Circulatory Support Program and Emergency Cardiac Care at Hartford Hospital, explains what it is. So ECMO stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, outside the body oxygenation of blood. It's a life support technique that's used by highly sophisticated medical systems for patients with severe heart or lung failure. The technique involves removing blood from the body, oxygening it, and then returning it back. ECMO procedures happen in the ICU, but not all hospitals are equipped with the necessary technology and staff. Dr. Gluck describes Hartford Hospital's ECMO Go team. So ECMO is considered when treatments have failed, and in our center, with a special ECMO on the go team, we'll actually take that technology to their hospital and help them out there if they need to to stabilize the patient and then bring them back to heart for recovery. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. Hi, I'm Ray Hartman. Season 3 of Where Art Thou is just around the corner. I'll be back on the road meeting incredible Connecticut artists. You'll hear their stories and we'll throw in a few surprises as well. Season 3 of Where Art Thou premieres June 9th on CPTV. For more, visit ctpublic.org WAT. Support provided by the Richard P. Garmany Fund at the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving, the State of Connecticut Office of Film, Television, and Digital Media, and Connecticut Humanities.
All right. One reason we play They Might Be Giants songs, in addition to liking them, is that every time we do, a little bit of the life force drains out of John Dankosky. He does not like them. I mean, like, he really doesn't like them. Uh, all right, so uh, we are going to, we're doing Ask or Tell Me Anything. I've got about seven minutes right now in this little segment, and then we are going to take one of those pledge breaks. It's very short, uh, and then we'll come back and we'll do more phone calls, all that kind of stuff. But let's uh, go to John in Torrington now. Hi, John. Hey, Colin. Uh, John, I'm the Listen More guy. How are you? You're the which guy? Listen More. Oh, Listen More. I, I figured it was probably you. So we have we have a lot we need to talk yeah, about. Yeah. The first thing we need to talk about is when you call Norfolk, do you have to dial one? Uh, no, not to my knowledge, no. All right. That, so? that was a big issue before I got on, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, that was so perfect because he, yeah. he said Torrington. He said maybe a certain parts of Torrington. Yeah. Okay. That's, what, uh... that's We haven't really straightened that out yet. But somebody somebody who knows the answer to this whole dial one question. Okay, yeah, we'll 888, on it out here. <laughs> 888-720-WNPR. 888-720-9677. And if you, we don't solve it on the show today, you might run into John in the line at the bank or something, and he'll ask you the question, and you can you can tell there him. There you go. Too. All right. So, what do you want to talk about? Uh, well, you know the Uvalde situation, uh, uh, Colin. I, I just want folks to understand that I think the political uh, dynamic has really shifted because of all the incredible work that the Newtown survivor parents have done. And by that, I mean they held Remington accountable financially, and they won in court. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I think it's and, not it's not just them, but it, I mean, I think Parkland, those kids in Parkland, get a, a huge shout out here too. But continue. Yeah, I, I wasn't aware if if Parkland won in court, but uh, but here in Connecticut, they actually defeated Remington in court, which has set a precedent. And a lot of folks, um, you know, I am, I guess, I am the listen more guy. But when you bring up a gun issue, you know, with with someone you don't know, it can cause a lot of adrenaline. However, if you bring up Uvalde. Uh, it's just different, emotionally different, and and um, the the um, hello yeah yeah I'm listening. Uh, the lawyer from the lawyer that that worked on the Newtown case is is helping out in Texas right now. Yeah, I had read that. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah, and so they're basically focusing on how this uh, weapon is marketed, the AR-15. And I, I also want to assure people out there, assure them, I'm a gun owner myself. We're not after your guns. We are not after your guns. We're talking about the AR-15. It's a military-style rifle, and the public has shown we can't handle it, <laughs> to say the least. And um, But I think, anyway, my, my basic point, Colin, is I think we all should get behind, obviously, those parents, because they're working on this every day. And and if you if you look at the government sort of quagmire, people get very discouraged and sort of give up. Uh, but actually, some remarkable things are happening as we speak. Right. No, uh, I agree. Very, very and I, I, one thing that I've been thinking all along, I haven't had a chance to sort of express this, but, you know, when these things happen and then there's this kind of, well, nothing's going to change. Nothing's changed. Nothing ever changes. Nothing's going to change. And I understand where that comes from. And I, I and I think in, in a kind of global way, it's kind of true. I mean, in a, in a kind of big way, it's kind of true. But really, one thing we know in Connecticut is, yes, there was the decision that you talked about. There was also, um, ultimately, there, there's been a series of actions against Alex Jones, which have been somewhat successful. Yeah. There was the reform of Connecticut state gun laws, which I think was significant. And if you look at all this stuff kind of that way, I mean, yeah, the, no, I don't think the Parkland people have won any big court cases, but they've changed a lot of things. And the fact that those kids took the 
story into their own hands and got into the streets and got really smart about social media and also about conventional media, you know, the, the, and insisted on telling their own stories and doing their own lobbying and, and have, have stayed with it. You know, this is 2018, so they're still doing it. Um, I think that's a big change, too. I mean, we, we, the changes are not happening in Congress. But they are happening in other places. So, first of all, oh, keep right. listening. That's where the yeah. Keep listening. We might have to use you as a special political correspondent uh, during the election season. You'll have to go back to what John has done in the past. We should say is during the 2016 campaign, what he would do is if he was just standing in the line at bank at the bank, or you know, if somebody came to fix the furnace or whatever, he would say in the most neutral way possible. What do you think about this election? What do you think about this election? And the answers he got, which he would then send to me were a more comprehensive and, I don't know, penetrative view of what was happening than I had. And the, 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 he was one of those things where everything that the political journalists did, including me, I was sort of more of a political journalist then than I am now. We did it all wrong. We asked the wrong questions. We listened to the wrong people. And we didn't understand what was happening. But John's technique of just asking this very neutral question, what do you think of this election? You know, it, it really sort of elicited uh, quite a bit of valuable information. And if I paid more attention to that and less less attention to everything I was reading, watching, and listening to, I would have understood what was going to happen on Election Day in 2016. Meanwhile, here is Cheryl. We may have an answer here. Hi, Cheryl. You're on the air. Oh, hi. I was calling back through the previous caller. Yeah. I'm Cheryl from Plantsville. And I noticed that when we receive telephone books, I don't know if he's a new uh, Connecticut person, he might have received a telephone book. There's a map in the front of the book that shows the the division of area codes. Now, he said he doesn't have cell phone uh, access. There are four area codes. Yeah. Um, and if you're in an 860 area code, you mostly don't have to dial one. But there's three other area codes, 203. 475 and 959. Um, if he goes somewhere with access to a cell phone, he could just Google it and they have maps and references in order to help him. Well, that is, first of all, very helpful. I might have to explain to young people what a phone book is. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. But yeah, having all these different area codes, I have this uh, one friend, uh, my friend Charlie. And by the way, Cheryl from Plainsville, thanks so much for calling. Um, but uh, I have this one friend, Charlie, uh, who actually lives right on the bridge uh, of um, of the 203 uh, and 860 area code. Uh, and he has a large yard. Uh, and he, as, as a result, has had to buy a 300-foot garden hose in order to uh, water different parts of his garden. And so at certain times, he has hose in different area codes. Um, all right. So that made McNichol, <laughs> that made McNichol laugh. <laughs> That's not an easy thing to do. All right. Uh, Kat, we should just do a little music. Why don't we go into the break here? Some lovely people are going to ask you to support this fine radio show, this fine station, the whole thing. Be generous and be our silver lining.
And we are back. Hold on. We are back. Uh, our number. This is Ask or Tell Me Anything Day. Uh, we do it once every two weeks, give or take. And uh, you can just call up about anything. And the number is 888-720-WNPR. You pick the topics. I just have to deal with them. Oh, I didn't mention also. First of all, let me do the phone number again. 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. I didn't mention uh, that uh, another feature of this show, although we haven't used it very much lately, is that I have with me a sealed envelope for Mr. Carp. Mr. Carp, one of the most... One of the smartest people possibly in the United States, um, somebody that I, I've known for many, many years. And so what he does is he clips things out of newspapers and magazines and he places them in an envelope and he sends them to me. And I don't open the envelopes unless somebody calls and tells me to open the envelope. And then I will and then I will attempt to talk about whatever is in the envelope. So that's another option. If you're just – you don't have your own topic but you'd like to hear – Something be talked about, and maybe you would want to talk about whatever Mr. Carp has put in the envelope. So that's another option. So also, time to say some thank yous. First of all, thank you if you just did pledge. Uh, that's really helpful, but helpful to us if you pledge during the show and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, it's time to thank Kat Pastor. She's our technical producer uh, at all times. And then Jonathan McPants uh, made the trip up from the southern part of the state to be the producer of this show and to screen calls and things like that. So if you call 888-720-WNPR, 888-720-9677, and uh, well, that's, that's who will who will ideally, that's who will answer the phone. So uh, a couple of things. We have figured out, uh, our research department, that self-same Jonathan McPants, uh, has figured out that Torrington has two different area codes. There are two different area codes within Torrington, which doesn't necessarily solve everything, but, uh, but it's, it's a useful piece of information. And then uh, a uh, person named Nancy called uh, right before the break. Uh, with a kind of an interesting question about the frequency of mass shootings in America. And I, I didn't have time to pull up all the data. I, her question was, are there, like there were like seven incidents in the past weekend. Um, are there more of them? Uh, and are there more of them at any given time? Or are, is the press just covering them more? So I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. One, there's two things that I can tell you that are related to it. One of them, well, th- three things, but one of them is what we call the church, church shootings phenomenon, church, excuse me, church burning phenomenon. There's a period of time when there was an epidemic of church burnings in America. But I think when they finally did crunch the data on it, it turned out churches weren't burning any more or less than they were usually. It's just that, yeah, the press started to see this as a narrative, started covering it uh, more. And of course, the other problem is that, and there's quite a bit of research on this, that mass shootings, as well as other kinds of crime, but particularly mass shootings, are contagious. There's a way in which reportage of mass shootings seems to breed other mass shootings, both short-term and long-term. I mean, long-term, you can really see it. A lot of these shooters seem to have studied other mass shootings and, you know, sometimes will write manifestos that sound oddly like um, some other manifesto that some other mass shooter wrote. So... These things are all they're, – they're not freestanding incidents anyway. I don't know whether we're on track in 2022 to have like a worse mass shooting year than 2021. I'm not 100% sure it matters either. But I would understand why somebody would want to know about this. All right. We have John. We have Sheila. I'm going to go first with Sheila just because we need more women callers here. And here's Sheila calling in from East Hampton. Hi. Hi, Colin. Is my radio on and interfering with this? Not so far. Oh, okay, good. 
Uh, I am hearing your show. Am I on the air? Yes. Yeah, well, I don't know oh, what's okay. happening. You, you may be in the twilight zone. You may be in lost in oh. a world without time where colors collide in kaleidoscopic I'm patterns. Make my bra- <laughs> I'm going to make my brain get through this. Okay. Um, I wanted to talk about the New York Times covering the Killing Lead Board of Ed decision not to support mental health yep. issues and the reasons that they covered due to potential of grooming by counselors of a liberal agenda or um, usurping parents' power by allowing six, you know, non-accepted-by-parents visits. And um, I think the whole country is watching what happens here. I mean, I was really surprised to see it on the cover of The Times. Yeah, no, it was it was interesting. I saw the same thing. It was page one in the New York Times on Sunday. You don't expect to see Killingly there. I don't know. Maybe the whole country is watching it now. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm probably just judging from your tone of voice. Uh, you probably think what I think, which is that I mean, this is sort of an area where, you know, well, first of all, this is an area where people with different value systems can clash without necessarily being a horrible people. And we have to acknowledge that, you know, parents who are uncomfortable with this whole thing because they think that their children's heads are going to be filled with unpalatable ideas, or as you say, they think that their parental supervision responsibilities uh, will be superseded somehow uh, by, by counselors in the school. You know, I mean, you sort of should, we should nod towards that and say, okay, that's how you feel. On the other hand, you know, once again, it's sort of the difference between safety and control. Um, this is a safety thing. Kids have a lot of problems these days. Kids need to be able to, within the school setting, go and get help for some of those problems, find somebody to talk to. Sometimes we all have to sort of face the fact, I mean, as parents, sometimes we're not the people they need to talk to. Sometimes we're part of the problem the kid's having. So we're sometimes the kid's attempts to talk to us about whatever the problem is have been unsuccessful because of our own cluelessness or, or whatever. And so a little bit of humility is probably called for as well. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it seems to be a pretty reasonable thing. But Killingly, I think, is not, you know, people picture Connecticut as being kind of a blue state with, you know, an entirely blue congressional delegation for the moment. Uh, Killingly is not like that, you know, and, and I think the New York Times article pointed out the last time Killingly was in the news in a big way was the was a fight over the school mascot, uh, a Native American-derived school mascot, where I believe some of the people either on the council or the board of ed now ran on that issue, almost as single-issue candidates. They ran for office and were elected uh, on on platforms that were almost wholly the question of you know keeping the Native American derived school mascot. So you know, Killingly maybe a little bit different from say West Hartford or East Hampton. Maybe I just I just feel that um, just as a, both a mother and as a teenager that had no access because the parents were be, unbe, you know behaving badly, so I couldn't get any help until college. And right. so I just really hope that this opens some eyes. And if you're a parent and you're not doing anything really awful, you should want this for your kid. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, but I also know we have to find some way to have better conversations, too. So, I mean, I was reading that article thinking the same things, but I think it's also important to say, OK, well, there are other people who kind of define their mission uh, as parents differently. And there's a lot of tension in this country right now around those kinds of questions. Um, and... You know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we can't just blow people off. We have to 
talk to them, listen to them, try to find some kind of consensus. All right. So, um, all right. Uh, let me go over to Jessica in Barkhamsted, then we'll come back to John in Hartford. Um, Jessica, hi. You're on the air. Hi. What Thanks can, so much for having me on. Well, we're thrilled to have you. Thank you. Um, I was wondering if um, maybe you could help me with something that I have always wanted to do, which is I've always wanted a garden. I'm I'm a terrible gardener, absolutely awful. We have tons of shade. Um, but I have these grand visions of some kind of a shady garden. And I just wanted to know, do you um, do you have any experience in planting <laughs> in shady areas? Or um, do you have any ideas for like kind of a shady oasis that I could make? Well, sir, I have one little problem here, which is that I sort of have two radio personas. One of them is Colin McEnroe. I also uh, often do these shows under the name Charlie Charlie Nardozzi, and so those are the when I'm doing really? when I'm doing my Charlie Nardozzi <laughs> personality. Yeah, that's I tend to uh, dispense more gardening advice under those circumstances. Uh, you live in Barkhamstead. You've got two problems right away. First of all, yeah. U- UFOs. UFOs land in Barkhamstead. We only found this out recently because our senior producer Lily Tyson is living in Barkhamstead right now, and she says. I mean, sometimes the woods are just crawling with extraterrestrials, and who knows? They're going to come in and maybe eat all your hostas or something. Who knows what they eat? And yeah, you've also we you, had bears take down our peach and apple trees last year. I mean, <laughs> I was coming to that. You get the bears, you get the mountain lions. Because let's be honest, there's lots of mountain lions in Barkhamstead. So you've oh, got those oh, problems. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, you know this. So it's dangerous yeah. out there. Probably you should like have a gardening robot that comes out. And does your garden for you so you don't have to go out there and get zapped by ray guns or mauled by mountain lions. But I don't know too much about I mean, I, you know, you are you should call somebody or talk to some. Well, wh- one thing that I can tell you, if you go to just like a halfway decent nursery, you know, I mean the, yeah. the plant kind of nursery, uh, if you go to a halfway decent nursery and explain this whole thing, people are great. They, they, you know, I don't really know, like Warner and Simsbury is probably the closest one that I know to where you are. But those people are great and they know what they're talking about. And you could even just like take some pictures of your yard or take just some pictures of the area you want to plant at different times of day. You know, I mean, I don't know oh. whether they, they even want to deal with that. But if you get somebody really good at a nursery, they will certainly help you. And I don't know, you're trying to just to bother somebody, some poor. <laughs> no, that's what that's what they're there for. They want to yeah, do that. No, you're right. They want right. to do that. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, they're waiting for somebody with an interesting question. And and, the, and yeah. so, do, do you you want to grow like plants, right? You don't want to grow vegetables. Yeah. Well, no, I do, I don't want to grow vegetables. Okay. I'm really hoping for perennials. Um, yeah. I don't really understand the point of annuals, and I don't want to offend any gardeners who are anybody who's an avid gardener. Um, I hear you. I just, I yeah. just want them to come up every year. Right. You, know, I'll you don't have to buy a whole bunch of damn petunias every year. You know. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, I know. I totally get that. All right, you're gonna be, you're gonna do great. This garden is gonna come out terrific. Uh, and if you want some more details, whenever I'm the next time I'm being Charlie Nardozzi, I have to like w- dress up. It's even though it's radio, they make me dress up differently when I'm Charlie Nardozzi. I have to wear like the straw hat and overalls and this kind of stripy shirt and stuff, and it's just different. I look like Linus, but like sort of old. Um, all right, so here is John in Hartford. Hi, John. Hey, hi, Colin. Colin, because uh, on uh, where we live today, Lucy's show at nine o'clock. They did the they had the uh, child uh, child advocate on talking about the children's mental health crisis in Connecticut, and she was advocating for more funding uh, for mental health professionals. 
but they never talked about what what is causing the children's mental health problem. And it's my belief that the children share the same mental health problems or different. Their, their problems are caused by their parents. Their parents are not raising them to be emotionally resilient. Their their parents themselves are not emotionally resilient. And I'm wondering why the current generation of children and adults are less resilient than their ancestors. Well, I mean, the question assumes facts, not in evidence. Um, certainly, Philip Larkin, uh, any number of years ago, the poet Phil, Philip Larkin, addressed the phenomenon that you're describing, but not involving these two particular generations. I mean, I think that idea has been around a long time. I'm unfortunately not able to quote that Philip Larkin poem without losing my job. But um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think what's happening right think, now. Do you think that, do you think there is no, that the, that, uh, the child the child advocate is exaggerating the mental health difficulties? Oh, no, no, no. I'm just sort of saying I, I don't think that it's so easy to say oh, they're having mental health difficulties because, you know, because their parents haven't taught them to be resilient, because their parents themselves are not resilient. I think th- I don't have a, the problem with the first part of the statement. It's the second part of the statement, the because. I think the because is pretty complicated. And I think, you know, kids also, they have mental health problems now because they just live through a pandemic and not all the way through a pandemic. And because, you know, they live in a terrifying environment where they and their parents are scared to send them off to school in the morning because of all of the madness that we've been talking about uh, here today. Um, they are dealing with a world in which, as they get a little bit older, they become aware of the fact that the climate is deteriorating, that they may be inhabiting a planet that is beset with travails that have never existed before. Um, I mean, there's like a lot of reasons why you could be scared and worried as a kid. Uh, and some of them involve your parents and some of them don't. So I don't know. I, this isn't something that we can really talk, deal with in, in two or three minutes. And anyway, the nice people are coming back very, very soon to ask you to support this public radio station. So um, so please do that. Uh, call in or you can go to uh, ctpublic.org and click on donate and donate. If you do it right now during our time, mention us in your comments. It's good for us. But anyway, thanks for listening today.